Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here it is, Friday, May 21st edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Coming up uh, on Monday's episode, Bill Meltzer going to join us. We're going to break down the most important element, the most important asset in the NHL on Monday's episode. That would be a little something we call cap space. We'll look at the Flyers' cap space situation. Also next week, Flyers assistant coach Mike Yo will join us. And also coming up, uh, I'm really excited to talk to him, Kim Dillabaugh, the Flyers' goaltending coach. There's obviously so many questions about the goaltending this season, the defense, and uh, Carter Hart. Uh, and no player more important to getting back on track than Carter Hart. So we'll talk to Kim Dillabaugh coming up next week as well. Uh, that'll be fascinating discussion. But in this episode, I referred to his article where he spoke with Chuck Fletcher on The Athletic a, a few d- episodes ago. Uh, Pierre Lebrun had a chance to sit down with him, and bro- I broke down elements of that article that popped out to me uh, a couple episodes ago, like I said. Uh, but I figured, let's go right to the man. Let's bring in Pierre Lebrun. From The Athletic, TSN, RDS, Hockey Insider, one of the best in the business, and he joins us now on Flyers Daily. Pierre, how are you? Hey, I'm great. Uh, thanks for thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a treat to be on the uh, Flyers podcast, and uh, let's get her going here. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I've said this on my radio shows over the years and, and talk about it on the podcast. If you're not a subscriber to The Athletic uh, for the NHL coverage, then you're missing out because the content that you guys – you and, and many of the other writers that cover the NHL, it's it's incredible. It's the deep dives. It's great stuff. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, listen, uh, really the credit goes to everyone who's been there f- from day one. Uh, I can't believe I'm already finishing my fourth season at The Athletic. Uh, it was really incredible. They reached out to me as soon as, uh, as my days were done at ESPN.com when I was part of all those layoffs there. And, and it's allowed me to keep writing in a way that I love – uh, to uh, you know, to to cover the NHL from a national perspective, and uh, and and it's allowed me to keep doing my television work at TSN. So uh, I'm really proud of all the work at the Athletic, and you know, whether I was working there or not for the rest of my life, I can guarantee you I'll be a subscriber because it's it's the place to be, uh, you know, to get your sports coverage. Yeah, and it's different too because it's it seems like you guys write in a liberated way where you're not constrained, which is which is mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you about ESPN because your former employer, you were with them for years. They're back mm-hmm. in the business of hockey along with Turner. Uh, what are your thoughts on the two networks and, and what it could mean for the NHL? Yeah, I think it's great. And I left on really good terms. I mean, I understood what was going on in the world when all those layoffs happened. And I was there for nine years. ESPN treated me unbelievably. That's why you didn't hear a single negative peep from me, either publicly or privately, because, I mean, ESPN did a lot more for me than I did for them is the way I feel about it as a Canadian guy who, you know, was already national. Yes, but uh, got to put my footprint in the U.S. market. And uh, geez, I had a great time there. So I'm really happy that they're back, um, you know, with the NHL. I mean, it's huge for the NHL to be back with ESPN and and, and same with Turner, by the way. And, you know, I I think that combination is going to be huge for the sport and uh, you know, and, and I do feel, by the way, that NBC did a terrific job over the years. I was kind of sad to see NBC out, to be honest. But yeah. but certainly, um, you know, I think those two deals will, will work out well for the NHL. And, uh, again, it's all about exposure. And, uh, you know, I think they're going to get a lot of that. Yeah, when you think sports in, in 
you know, in the States, ESPN's the, the first thing that pops to mind. And, and Pierre, they're going to welcome in the NHL next year, and they're going to do it on the heels of these playoffs. And just, I mean, we're just tip of the iceberg here with these playoffs, but how good has the hockey been already in these playoffs? It's been off the charts. Yeah, I, I do. Honestly, I know I'm biased because this is a sport I cover. But if you follow me on Twitter, you know, I'm also a massive football fan. And, and sadly, I have the disease called Dallas Cowboys in my blood. But mm-hmm. um, but so I, I say this, you know, I follow other sports, even though hockey's my job. And, but I don't know if there's a better first round in pro sports than the NHL playoffs. Like, mm-hmm. And I think part of it is that your your eight seeds win out all the time. Yeah. Like, like the, the, the unpredictability of the NHL playoffs is, is unbelievable. Um, and, and it's been like that forever. And, and, uh, you know, the, the, and the other thing that's happened too, for better or for worse, the game has become a lot less physical and less violent, I think for better, but I know some fans love the violence and I'm, Hey, I'm talking to a flyers audience. So I, yeah. I, I, I know the, the history of the flyers is pretty rich and, and amazing. And there have been some pretty tough teams over the years, but the game has changed. And actually, I think the, today's Flyers team represents that, right? It, it really very much a mirror of what's actually happened in the game today. It's all about skill and speed now for the most part. But I'm getting to a point here. The first round of the playoffs brings you back a bit. Yeah. Because what happens is the regular season, everybody's trying to maintain and, and, and stay healthy, and there's not a lot of shenanigans. But then the puck drops for the first round, and it's really more the first round than the rest of the playoffs, to be honest. The puck drops to the first round, and everyone puts on a 1990s uniform. Like, like it's it's the physicality is unbelievable. It's through the charts, and and I love it. I don't think it's sustainable over 82 games. It'd be you can't have that anymore. But in the you know when the playoffs come and and the game goes back to that intensity and physicality, it's it's awesome. Yeah, it is, and to see some fans back in some of these buildings has been so electric. I know that uh, up in north of the border. Right. Uh, I was going to get to that. Yeah, the Canadians hopefully you know, get to a game six and welcome 2,500 fans in what I think is one of the best atmospheres in sports uh, for a, a Montreal Canadian game. I remember being there in 2010 in the conference final, working those games. Mm-hmm. Um, what's it been like to see fans, and, and what do you think that's going to be like if they were, are to get there in Montreal? Yeah, and, and I'm based in Toronto, and so I, I tweeted this this morning that – here we are with the first Leafs Habs playoff game in 42 years oh tonight. <laughs> and there's no fans. And, and I got to tell you, it would be okay if we were still, everyone was still doing the same thing. I don't think you'd think any different because it is what it is. But now what's happened is I'm watching the Hurricanes again last night, 12,000 fans going berserk. And now it's like the horse is out of the barn. Like, it's hard now to just say, well, you know, this is what it is. We still got to get through this pandemic. And, and like, honestly, flipping back and forth between the games in the U.S. last night and then flipping to Edmonton, Winnipeg, it was unmistakable, the difference in vibe. Yeah. No fans in Edmonton. And, and, and it, it's a letdown. And, again, I'm not – listen, I'm not – you know, we got to do what's right here, uh, you know, in terms of getting people vaccinated and getting the numbers down and so on. I'm not, I'm not saying that the – it's wrong that there's no fans here in Toronto. The, the numbers have been too high. So we, we got to keep getting them down before it's safe. But, but what I'm saying is at the end of the day, it's going to affect the spectacle for sure. A, because Leafs Habs is as historical as it gets. It's, it's, you know, Yankees, Red Sox, but you're watching 
the crowds now starting to form in the U.S. playoff games, and 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 you love it, and you feel it, and it honestly, I think it's impacted what's happening on the ice. I think the players are feeding off it in in those games. So it, 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 it's just a fact that you know. <laughs> the, the sad irony of finally getting Leafs abs and uh, there's just not going to be any atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. And you, you can tell the players are feeding off it, especially after not having it. And there's such a pent up demand of fandom right now and explosion. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Let, mm-hmm. let me ask you about this past season with the flyers, because after year one of AV and you know, he comes in and, and the team really had a, a great progressive step forward. Um, as, as a team, the franchise was pointing in the right direction. Carter Hart played well. Uh, elements, young players performed. Travis Konechny was an all-star. Sanheim, Myers, Proroth, Niskin, and all that. And then this year, boy, what, what, a, what a step back it was uh, for the team. Uh, were you as surprised as, as a lot of Flyer fans were at just how far they took a step back and, and how it played out for them this year? Well, I picked them to win the division, so I guess I'd have to say yeah. I was surprised. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I think there were probably – I think the Flyers and the Flames are the two most disappointing teams for the wrong reasons this year in the NHL. Um, you know, and listen, I, I guess I over – I guess I oversold to myself how many of the young core guys for the Flyers were going to continue to step forward. And, in fact, what happened outside of, of Joel Farabee is every single young guy either didn't step forward or, frankly, regressed. Uh, from my vantage point, anyway. I mean, you know the team better than me, but when I'm watching Flyers games, that's what I saw. Yeah. And um, and so, I mean, listen. At the end of the day, when you when you end up 31st in goals against, and uh, there's a lot of things happening, but the bottom line is you're you, you can't be there. <laughs> so, and, and and again, the year before they were seventh, I think sixth or yep. seventh in goals against. Yeah. So. You know, Ali Bingo's track record, and I think he's a terrific coach. I've known Alain for a long time. He he is defense first, you know, over time. Now, he's adjusted his methodology over the years to keep up with the game, but his defensive track record over the years is pretty stellar everywhere he's been. So so this is not a typical AV year for sure. Um, and, and I think I, I see a lot of different things here, you know, I don't want to make too much of Matt Niskanen's surprise retirement, but the reality is he still wasn't replaced. Yeah. And and he's a top four guy eating a lot of minutes. And he's a calm veteran who made a lot of smart plays that maybe weren't sexy, but I think were missed this year. Um, and then you have a young blue line that, again, I think regressed. Um, then you had a goal in Carter Hart that had a terrible year. And, and listen, I think he's a stud, and I think he's going to bounce back. And if it makes Flyers fans feel any better – you know, um, the great Carey Price had a so- had the sophomore blues when he was young. People forget. 22 it, as well. Yeah. yeah. So, again, I'm not – I know it's maybe unfair to keep throwing Carey Price at Carter, but let's just let him be Carter hard. But it's normal for a young goalie to, to sort of go back and forth before he stabilizes. I'm not worried about that. But the team has to defend better, and they got to get saves. I mean, you can't be – have the worst save percentage in the league and expect to compete. So all those things have to get better. And, and you know, I, I did an interview with Chuck Fletcher after the Flyer season ended, and, and I thought Chuck Fletcher was unbelievably honest and forthright. And I got to tell you something, not every GM is. No. Like there are GMs, depending on the market they're in, that I think want to spin things a bit differently, uh, you know, 
and, and I get it. I, I get where there's different reasons why you, there's certain things you were able to say publicly. That's why I got so much respect for Chuck Fletcher, who said it like it was. I think he did a lot of the same in his media availability with you guys. Um, and the reason that's important is because you can't fix what's wrong unless you look in the mirror and, and accept what is. Self-accountability. Yes. And, and A, Chuck Fletcher blamed himself for not having a good offseason. Uh, and then he went through all the issues with the team. And and I think that's so important. That's leadership. If I'm okay. a Flyers fan and I hear Chuck Fletcher right now, I'm like, okay, thank goodness this guy gets it. Because what you don't want to hear, and sometimes you hear this from GMs, not just in hockey but other sports as well, you know, and then it's a pandemic year and then this happened. You know, okay, but everyone played in the pandemic year. So, you know, uh, I think Chuck Fletcher is attacking this offseason with wide open eyes, with a clear vision, and he's going to be aggressive is a sense I got from the interview I did with him. Yeah, and, and the quote from your story with your interview with Chuck, he said, quote, if I, I did a poor job filling that void regarding Niskanen, he went on to say, it wasn't for lack of trying, but we didn't do what we needed to do, and that falls on me. That is self-accountability. And, and you're absolutely right. If you don't know, if you're not ready to admit what, your your shortcomings you're never going to fix them uh, let me ask you uh, about this all season and, and i took away exactly what you just said in reading that piece pierre uh that they're going to be going into this all season like you said eyes wide open aggressive is this the the point now because chuck came in for ron hextall in the middle of a season and then in you know in that first off season he brings in the coaching staff with av mike yo michelle Terrian. Uh, the signing of Kevin Hayes made a couple deals in season for Nate Thompson and Derek Grant, but but is this the off season where first of all the NHL uh, really starts to move again, movement of players uh, around the league via trade, and also is this the one where Chuck Fletcher really puts his fingerprints mm-hmm. all over the team? Yeah, no, great great questions there. So let's start with the macro. I think this is going to be an incredibly busy off season around the NHL with the Seattle expansion draft forcing decisions, right? Yeah. So, so just like the year Vegas came in in 2017, we had a really busy off season. We had some blockbuster trades and a lot of different things happening. And on top of the fact that the expansion draft in Seattle is forcing a lot of roster decisions for some teams, you got a flat cap. That's also going to force some tough decisions. The flat salary cap is making a lot of teams, having to make decisions they'd rather not make and, and it's putting them in, in, in some tough spots. So you put all that in the big bowl of stew and, and you got a lot of stuff going on. Um, and so on the micro, again, I, there's no question in my mind that Chuck Fletcher is going to absorb everything. You know, he's going to take his time here, really go through all of his players here and, and, and make a decision with his front office staff evaluate what they have here and what they're willing to do in terms of who stays, who goes. Um, you can't promise big moves because it really takes two to tangle, but the, but I think it's clear that the, the, the object is to be super aggressive. And that's why in my column, I mentioned, I mean, I think they'll check in on Jack Eichel. I think they're going to check in with Nashville on either Ekholm or Ellis and see if either one's available. I think they're going to check in on Seth Jones if Columbus can extend him. And, I mean, that would be my number one call if I were the Flyers. Ooh, Seth Jones, yeah. if he doesn't sign an extension this summer in Columbus, the Blue, the Blue Jackets have to trade him. They can't have Panera and Bobrovsky happen all over again where he walks into his UFA year next year. So now they're going to do everything they can to sign him, and he may sign. He, you know, Maybe he likes it in Columbus. But I'm saying if he doesn't sign, Seth Jones has to be top of the board for the Flyers in my mind. And now there will be 10 other teams, of course, but yeah. – 
Seth Jones is an absolute stud. He's a leader. He's a terrific dude on and off the ice. He's a top five defenseman in the world, and he's right-handed shot. Hello, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Um, you solved that top pair problem not for two years or three years. You forever, for seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but so, I my point is, I think that Chuck Fletcher. No, again, he didn't name any of those names to me. I, I'm just reading between the lines of his tone to me in the interview. But I think that Chuck Fletcher is going to be in on all those big things, and he hopes to connect on one of them at least. But what I don't think he'll be shy to do is that he's got all his top picks coming up in the next few drafts. Uh, he's got young players that other teams value. He might be willing to move some. So absolutely, I think the Flyers will be a mover and a shaker. I've called it organizational currency. Uh, the picks, right. the prospects, young players that aren't making or maybe they're on an entry-level contract. Pierre, they have more value now probably than they ever have or ever will in the sense that with the flat cap, they're cost-effective, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. And that is huge currency right there. No question about it. And and so, again, I think that puts the Flyers in a position where whether it's a Seth Jones deal or a Jack Eichel deal, who knows what else, you know, the Flyers decide to look into. They may have more parts to put on the table than a lot of other teams who want to get in on those things. Right. Yeah. So 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 that so that's one of the things to look at for sure. Um, and and I certainly I think that in goal. And, and I think that you have to, and I think, listen, you can't ask for anything more than you got from Brian Elliott this year at his age and, and playing more games than he should have and all those things. He's a terrific guy. But I think you need an upgrade there. You need an upgrade because you need to bring in a guy that is going to push Carter Hart in a very positive way, but in a way that also says this could be that guy's net if Carter's not consistent, you know, like, it has to be sort of a, a positive slash uncomfortable net sharing, a 1A, 1B. Um, and I, I think you're going to see the Flyers look at that as well, or really try to bring in a another goaltender that, that gives them some insurance, but also is a nice positive push on Carter Hart. Yeah, I've kind of said there's two options to go there. There's almost like the James Reimer type option. Mm-hmm. Was a starter, 33 years old. For sure. Uh, or you can go... Uh, and, and acquire a guy like Jonas Corposalo. And that's the, 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 you know, 1A, 1B. And whoever's playing better, boys, you get the crease, right? Right. And, and that's a trade. But, I mean, I mean, and there's a guy who's an established starter now in, in Columbus, but the Jackets aren't keeping both Corposalo and Merzlikens. Because those guys each have a year left, they're going to have to decide this summer. They're probably going to want to wait until after the expansion draft, by the way, because Elvis um, – is exempt amazingly. Yeah. So, so they could protect Corpus Allo, um from the expansion draft, make Elvis exempt and then expose a, their third goalie in the organization. And then after that, decide which one they're trading as I, as I suspect how Columbus will play that. But no, you're right. Those are, those are both great examples of options there for the flyers and, you know, and, and Reimer might come at a pretty decent price uh, on top of that, you know, you know, do you look at Jonathan Bernier? I mean, there's there's a few things. I only mentioned Bernier because he's got a history with Dean Lombardi, who's you know in the Flyers front office and, and so on. But um, that time him too at the uh, deadline as well. I I, I I heard the same thing. I, I, I you know it, it, the Flyers ended up doing nothing probably because of where they were in the standings. But had they been a little closer to the race, I'm not so sure they didn't they wouldn't have brought in a pending UFA goalie, not just to stay in the race, but also. Um, to sort of do some tire kicking and, and take a look at him for the rest of the year. But anyway, they didn't, but you're right. I think Bernie was a name that was talked about. 
Yeah, and they, they did that a couple of years ago with Cam Talbot. Ultimately, he mm-hmm. decided he wanted to be a starter, and good on him. He's playing well. Oh, uh, playing <laughs> out of his mind. By the way, we should mention the Wild because, you know, when Chuck Fletcher was fired in Minnesota, I find it so fascinating about GMs. It's it, it, it's a bit like Ron Hextall for me that I think a lot of people realize after the fact that, that Ron Hextall left a lot of good pieces behind in Philly, right? Yeah. And, and the hardest thing to judge a GM on is that it doesn't, you often have to wait so long after he's even gone to appreciate some of the things. And, uh, you know, that Minnesota wild team that is giving Vegas all they can handle, uh, boy, a lot of Chuck's imprints are there. And, and the best example is Joel, uh, you know, Joel Erickson Eck, who had the big goal in game one. When, the only goal. <laughs> yeah. Chuck Fletcher got hammered in that market for that draft pick. Hammered because everyone there wanted Brock Besser. And by the way, Brock Besser is a great player. Yeah. But, it takes time to develop centers, right? And and so finally now everyone's looking at Erickson Eck and it's like, I can guarantee you Bill Guerin, the champ of Minnesota, views him as an untouchable. Uh, and it's like, hello, same guy that Chuck Fletcher got run out of time, run out of town for. So yeah. it, the whole GM thing is interesting to me about, you know, what you get credit for and what you get hammered for and how things change over time. Yeah, and every player is on a different arc of development. Sometimes it doesn't – some players it takes two to four years. Sometimes it takes six for, for certain players to really mm-hmm. establish themselves. Let, let's talk about the Seattle expansion draft in regards to the Flyers because it's fascinating. They, they have some big-ticket players here. Uh, JVR has got two years left at seven. Uh, Jake Voracek has three years left. Shane Gostisbehere, uh, four-and-a-half uh, AAV on that contract. And, and you look at – uh, you know, Ghost in particular, he was a guy that was waived, passed through waivers. Uh, is one of those players uh, going to end up a Seattle Kraken? And do you think that Chuck will use some of that aforementioned organizational currency maybe to to, to push them in a certain direction? Right. So so that, that'll that be interesting. I mean, Ron Francis, I can tell you, keeps his cards super close to his vest, mm-hmm. not just with not just with me when I talk to him, but but even with his GM colleagues. He, he doesn't he the word I'm getting is he's not trying to keep everyone at bay from what he's talking to with other teams somehow. So there's a little more, uh, there's a little less uh, communication going on. I can tell compared to the Vegas uh, uh, exercise. And maybe that's because Vegas went at it and put everyone over a barrel (laughs) and had so much leverage, but um, it'll be interesting. I mean, obviously right off the bat, if you're Chuck Fletcher and the Flyers, it affects your decisions on when or if you go trade for a top 4D in this offseason because, or sign one because of the timing of the expansion draft, right? Uh, because, apologize for that. Um, someone's trying to phone me. Uh, because, of course, right now you obviously know the three kids you want to protect on D if you're going 7-3-1 on your protection list. But if you go out, let's say, let's just throw out a name. Let's say you go out and trade for Mateus Ekholm. Well, now what? if it's before the expansion draft. So obviously you'd probably want to wait until after the expansion draft to get your top 4D. But but what if the price is completely different at that point, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, what if there's a different price for making that deal before the expansion draft than there is after the expansion draft? Because the Predators themselves, as an example, are facing the same decision. Yeah, they're they going to protect <laughs> so, them if they keep them or they may lose them for nothing. Right, right. So there's this fascinating cat and mouse game about, well... You know, do we just make the deal before because it's at a better price and then live with their expansion draft decision? Do we have to pay Ron Francis? There's a lot of different things. I mean, we can go on forever, but there's a lot of different conversations that could be had there. Yeah, the interesting thing, too, is, you know, 
they did such a good job just even keeping the logo and the jersey under wraps. <laughs> I was amazed right. that that didn't get out, and they did a good job keeping that, uh, you know, so nobody got to got to leak it. Uh, let me ask you about AV because his end of the year press conference um, and his availability, Pierre. Uh, he seemed exasperated. <laughs> he really right. did. It was just a tough season. It was hard to come up with answers. Coaches love practice time. He didn't get it. Um, he almost seemed noncommittal uh, on his return at points until he was really pressed on it. Are, are you 100% certain he's returning? Well, I asked Chuck Point Blank. I said, you know, there's people. there were people around the league wondering about that when I was talking to other teams. And, and so I asked Chuck in that interview, I said, you know, let me ask you point blank about Alain Vigo. And, uh, and Chuck said adamantly that Alain Vigo and, and his staff, by the way, he mentioned was returning next year. So I guess one's allowed to change their mind. But when I did that interview, uh, Chuck was pretty clear in saying AV was coming back. Um, who, do you have any sense on who could end up as the uh, next Phantoms coach? Is Ian LaPerriere uh, the likely option there? I don't have a sense of that. Uh, so much so many NHL coaching situations <laughs> right now I'm chasing. I haven't, I haven't gone down the HL route yet with, with any of these teams, <laughs> but, but I can see why that would matter to you. Um, what does a Couturier extension look like in your opinion? Well, that's a fascinating one because, you know, one thing that's hard to sometimes deal with is when a player has been underpaid on his existing deal. And he has been. <laughs> and he has been. And that's no, not Chuck Fletcher's fault. He didn't sign that deal with Sean years ago, but um, but it's also a reality. And now we have a flat cap. So there's a lot of different dynamics here, um, you know, and he's such a valuable player. And Chuck made it clear in that interview with me that that's going to be a priority item this summer is having that conversation. And hopefully it leads to an extension when you're out. So it's not hanging over everyone that he's playing out his deal next year. But again, flat cap. And, and so what makes sense for both sides here that, that that you can sort of get your mind around and so i think you know i i think if you if you i mean i think six to seven million dollar range in the new economy does that make sense depending on term i don't know i mean that's that'll be an interesting conversation yeah, if he were to go to market he would do well no doubt about it and people say well he's going to be 28 cl closing in on 29 maybe you, you trade him while va his value is the highest i said could you imagine trading patrice bergeron at 28 you know yeah and and you know the day you trade a sulky trophy winner is is the day that you spend the next seven years looking for a sulky trophy guy which are hard to come by yeah unless it's some kind of deal for jack eichel it's a non-starter um last um, thing nolan patrick he now on his third agent he's been in the league four years he's played three seasons total right uh, uh what, what's going on here nolan patrick had a very underwhelming year uh, from a number standpoint, and there, mm. there was patience. We understood what he was coming back from and how long it was um, that he played, you know, didn't play for. But but at this point, is is it likely that maybe he's played his last game as a Flyer? So this is a this is one where I, I, I I'm guessing the Flyers probably disagree with me, but this screams change of scenery to me. Like I just yeah. feel like it's just not working, and that there may be a change of scenery you know, might just be a breath of fresh air for a young man who, who seemingly Reset. needs it. Yeah. And, you know, it's not a terribly appealing thing from a Flyers perspective to go down that route because obviously the value on the player is as low as they can get right now. Um, you're really at that point, they, a doing the player a favor and B 
hoping that other teams remember where he was drafted and what his ceiling still might be. And I, and I do think that that ceiling is still there, but that's hard to trade on sometimes. Right. Yeah. Um, because you know, what have you, what have you done for me lately is what a lot of teams tried to, to trade on and, and teams would really try to take advantage and exploit that. I think so it's not a great position to be in if you're the organization. Um, but you also have to be honest and, and ask yourself, is it going to happen in Philly? You know, and so I, I, I don't know. I, it, that's a tough one, but it's certainly to me, I wonder if, if it's not this year or over the next couple of years, if a change of scenery isn't, isn't the best route. Yeah. Maybe it's come back, get in shape and, and let's see how you start. And if you still want, right. then we can investigate it, but let's up your value a little bit here before we're going to do something like that. You were Good a second overall pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I said last thing, but I lied. Um, how's the league <laughs> going to return o- October? Are we going to be on schedule or is it going to maybe push to November? Olympics all-star how's that going to play off yeah well there's so many so many things at play right now number one is that um you know the league is hope has circled October 12th as as the uh dropping the puck for the regular season they've told teams that but it's very much has an asterisk on it you know let's see how everything goes here number one they got to figure out the Olympics and so within the next month here I, I think they really need to zero in on on whether they're signing a deal with the IOC, they want to, but the IOC is a little busy making sure the summer summer games get off the ground. But uh, but they need they need clarity on the Olympics before they can go on and 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 basically finalize the schedule. Normally, the schedule is announced in mid June, mid to late June. So we're getting there. So they need clarity from the IOC on that before they can proceed on everything else. You know, having to do with next year. Yeah, well, it's going to be fascinating. I'm ready for it to start already, even though the playoffs have been fantastic. Uh, Pierre, I appreciate you joining us so much. Uh, great stuff. Uh, your work on The Athletic is superb. Uh, TSN and RDS as well. We appreciate the time, and best of luck, and uh, enjoy these playoffs. Anytime. Appreciate it. Thanks to Pierre Lebrun for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. Uh, always great to get that outside perspective from an insider. He's not tied to the Flyers in any way, shape, or form. He is not emotionally connected to the Flyers in any way, shape, or form, but an incredibly plugged-in guy. Uh, so wanted to get him on, and I appreciate him coming on and giving us as much time as he did. Great discussion with Pierre Lebrun uh, from The Athletic and TSN and RDS. So we appreciate him joining us. In the meantime, everybody, have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday's episode. We'll be back with another brand-new one Monday, Wednesday, and Friday again next week. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday's Flyers Tale. Some people say my love